Aho, Mano Wobin. This is Aho Mano Nikon, the podcast with Josh and Sam. Hey, Sam, I was going through the recent emails and we actually got one from a listener that wanted to talk about uh, if you could go into more about water and frequency. I think you can share a little bit more today about water and frequency in this episode. And, you know, if anybody else out there has any emails or comments or anything, just go to our Facebook page. Or uh, you can go to the Twitter, or you can just email us like this person did. And, hey, Sam, so sorry I'll quit rambling. Go ahead and tell us a little bit more about uh, water and frequency if you can. Who is you to be asking me questions? I got to talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Uh, They've done all these studies. You can look up any of these videos about water being affected by frequency. And your body is... Uh, like over two-thirds water. So your health and everything, like your water, you know, basically if you can keep two-thirds of something in good repair, the other third will drag along. But if you if you keep it in bad repair, the other third is not going to do well. And so pretty much just keep a healthy water level in your body, you know, is something that a lot of us fail to do with all the preservatives and Maybe colas we drink, alcohol, coffee, anything, anything you put in your body has this ability to throw your balance off. And if you get all the water in your body, like basically to work together by using these harmonic frequencies, and once that these, once all that is in, once the water is tuned in frequency, then the rest of your body will tune in as well. Like, and this isn't, uh, this isn't like a wow thing or anything like that. It's just that a lot of us wouldn't, we don't think about things on a structural level or a molecular level like that and understand like how all that would affect anything else and why does it even matter. And, you know, that, that's, those are different topics. The thing is, is that, uh, you know, we've reached this age now that we, work with artificial intelligence just like in the way that I'm working with it right now I'm speaking and so the device recognizes things and just like my body would have been out of a resonance like if it was out of a resonance like the water was different kind of things then whenever that frequency came in it would have to adjust them uh, to get them all in a resonance first, all the chemicals and every cell of my body would have to like kind of have a disruption, you know, like before you make a change for the good in your own life, you tend to need a dramatic instance to kind of kick your ass into it or something. You know, a lot of us do, and that's all right. And... That's me exactly right there, Sam. That's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, I probably should be get mine kicked daily too and so uh i know i sure do but uh whenever uh you know that's because you need you know that's something's out of resonance and that should be your first tip to do something and so like uh when sam i had a quick question could you go back talking about a uh, tone and phones and all that and just tie it all back in if you don't mind 
So I got this. I see where we're going with all this. And yeah, I think that'd wrap it up for me and the listeners. If you could just go back into that part right there, that'd be awesome. Whenever you speak out of tone for the phone to interact with you, because it's right here next to you. It's right here next to you if you're speaking to it. Uh, or looking at it, or touching it, or whatever, then it, if you speaking things, it, it has to create, it has to, like, uh, put out a frequency to, like, bring that in to basically resonate well with it, so that it understands and it puts out other things. You know it listens to you and hears exactly what you're interested in looking at. Sometimes the point of just thinking of it will pop it on there. Your phone understands you in a way that it can, which is at this like cellular level. It understands you as a pile of cells. And it knows how you're going to work well together. But it only works this one way. And so you have to communicate with it in a rational way. Like if you're mad at your phone for being in this way or that way, your phone's going to have to figure out how to deal with you because it's also a smart device. It's really intelligent. And like we have AI, and if we look up AI, I'll talk with that in another blurb. That's another, that's another story. But if we use a healthy resonance to speak with our device, then it won't put out those harmful frequencies because it's only trying to take in the frequency that we're putting out, like that we put out in our voice. And you can measure, this is the good news, you can measure your own voice frequency and you can train your voice to speak at health tones. And when you train your voice to speak at health tones, you just basically train your vowels. But it's, a, it's long vowels. And so you, it's best to use with languages that use long vowels. Fire! 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 <laughs> hey Sam, I want to talk about something more recent. I don't know if you or the listeners have seen this. There's a lot going on up north. And uh, this is a letter from uh, Arville Looking Horse that he wrote out. He's the 19th generation keeper of the sacred white buffalo calf pipe. We are now up against dangerous decisions that are coming from the disease of the mind. As we walk into 2021, the sacred places of the Gwich'em people, whom are protecting the Arctic caribou birthing grounds, we see as Mother Earth's umbilical are about to be drilled. Under the heart of all that is, the sacred black hills constantly being destroyed. In the great sadness of the Amazon being burned down, leaving grassroots, indigenous, animal, and plant nations with no home or death. These atrocities and many other dangerous assaults towards Mother Earth's sacred sites would surely affect us all. Article 19 of the, of the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People says, States shall consult and cooperate in good faith with the indigenous people concerns of their own representative institutions in order to obtain their free, prior, and informed consent before adopting and implementing legislative or administrative measures that may affect them. We cannot afford to ignore decisions made in agreements. This also violates the United States' own treaties with our people, but now have been allowed to happen as a violation of the highest level of disrespect towards the nation's ancestors or even burials are wiped out in the name of deadly progress. Where are the keepers of the values in these agreements that they themselves created? The hearts of all people's faith must now unite in believing we can change the path we are now on. We already have witnessed many 
nation's lives are now dying because of contamination which we the good mind and good heart and mind are to be responsible for those that swim those that crawl those that fly that plant nation and the four-legged the only break they have received had to be a daily pandemic what we're all faced with is a dark spirit of sickness that was brought from a lack of respect and honoring of life all living things cannot afford the same mistakes to be made any longer. If we do not spiritually stand up as individual leaders and do creator's work in uniting our concerns, it will continue to be a domino effect that our ancestors have warned about the prophecies. This is not a competition of who will lead and who should follow. This is a very serious time we are in. I know in my heart there are millions of people that feel this as long ever do. It's time that all of us become leaders to help protect the sacred upon Mother Earth. She is a source of life and not a resource. In a sacred hoop of life, where there is no ending and no beginning, Unmedictech, that we shall leave, that we shall live, Chief Naka Arvo Looking Horse, 19th Generation Keeper of the Sacred White Buffalo Calf Pipe. I know that's a lot to digest right there. I'll come back, I'm going to explain the Sacred Pipe real quick, talk a little about clans, I'll turn over to Sam, he's going to read some of them show us, but first... Got to get paid, right? We always got to drop these sponsors in. So uh, here's a quick sponsor. Be right back. The Layla Wakan, Waken, which means very sacred, is a bundle that was delivered to Lakota by the White Buffalo Cap Woman. You know, it's one of their most important pieces of their history. They have a lot of it to do with ritual. This holy woman demonstrated how to present the pipe to the earth, the sky, and the sacred directions. She explained the stone bell of the pipe and its carving of the buffalo calf, which represented earth and all four-footed animals that walked on it. It has a wooden stem rising from the center of the bowl, which stands for everything that grows and represents the direct link between the earth and the sky. And there's also 12 spotted eagle feathers hanging from the pipe that represent all creatures of the air. And the buffalo calf woman said, Whenever you smoke this pipe, all these things join you. Everything in the universe all send their voices to waken Tanka, I hope I'm saying that right. The Great Spirit. Whenever you pray with this pipe, you pray for and with all things. Also with the sacred pipe, the white buffalo woman imparted seven rites. The first rite is to keep and release the soul. It keeps the soul of a dead person for a number of years until it's properly released, ensuring a proper return to the spirit world. Second ritual is the sweat lodge purification rite. Third is the crying for a vision, which lays down the ritual pattern of their vision quest. Fourth is the Sundance, and we all know about the Sundance, and we'll get back to talking about the Sundance in future episodes. The fifth is the making of relatives, which is basically uh, the joining of two friends in a sacred bond. The sixth is the girl's puberty ceremony. And the final ritual is called throwing the ball, which is where you uh, attain wisdom from Wakantinka. The ceremonies of the Lakota enacted her injunction to revere the Great Spirit. The pipe ritual is performed in two stages. A dried herb is lit from fire that's burned in the center of the lodge, and the first smoke passes through the stem and up to heaven. This way, Waken Tank is the first to smoke. The pipe is then filled with tobacco and offered to the west, north, east, and south, and heaven and to earth. The buffalo calf pipe is bundled and is kept by a member of the Looking Horse family who live on the Cheyenne River Reservation in South Dakota. And right now, the 19th keeper, who I just read that letter from previously, is Chief Arvo Looking Horse. And, you know, and so he is part of the Looking Horse family, which I'm going to throw this, turn this over to clans right now. 
So when we're talking about clans, a lot of people always want to know who their clan is. And I'm just kind of going from recent to now, but I, I've just been trying to want to keep talking about something recent, right? Okay, um, we know how, well, and Sam will tell this in a little bit about the Bashomas. But anyway, so uh, every tribe has clans. And most tribes believe that animals and people are close related, and few clans see themselves as the direct descendants of an animal spirit or totem, which, um, you know, the Ojibwe word Odom, Odim, is also translated as village. So clans that do, not, that do have stories about they came have a totem pole, the Hopi say that after their emergence, they decided to play a name game while they hunted and moved across the land in bands of relatives. Because the first band came across a bear skeleton, guess what it was called? Bear Clan! Uh, another one found a nest of spiders, and it became the Spider Clan. Similarly, the Iroquois people now have up to nine such groupings, including Turtle Clan, Bear Clan, and Wolf Clan. Each one of these is matrilineal and headed by a clan mother. You know, and the origin, origin of clans come off different things, too. Uh, there's one story where a... Someone went on a specific quest, and this is how the Osage Spider Clan got theirs. The, the young man went to the forest on an expedition. He was looking for some. Deer, he was following deer tracks when he fell over a large spider web. The spider said, "Man, why'd you trip over the web?" He replied that he'd been tracking a deer because he was looking for a strong animal to be a symbol of his clan. The spider replied that although he seemed to be a small, weak creature, he had the virtue of patience. Furthermore, the spider said all creatures came to him sooner or later, just as the man had done. Impressed by these words, the man returned to his clan and became the spider clan, which they put on their totem. And I will talk about totems in future episodes, too. So, uh, Sam, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you if you want to go ahead and talk about the Mishomas and about clans right there. The Mishomas book. The Voice of the Ojibwe by Edward Benton Benai. Chapter 10, The Clan System. In our last chapter, we learned how the first Medeowin ceremony came into being. We learned how the water drum came to the people. The Medeowin religion taught the people how to use the powers of the spirit world to treat their sicknesses. The Medeowin gave the people a sense of spiritual strength to be balanced with its twin, the physical side of life. The people were no longer frail and began to live longer. But the Creator remembered how the Earth's people had suffered in the past. He decided that the Earth's second people needed a system, a framework of government to give them strength and order. To do this, he gave them the Odoi Damiwug clans. Ajijok, Crane, Mong, Loon, Gigun, Fish, Makwa, Bear, Wabijashi, Martin, Wawasheshi, Deer, Banase, or Bird. Each of these clans was given a function to serve for the people. The Crane and the Loon clans were given the power of chieftainship. They were given the people with natural qualities and abilities for leadership. Each of these two clans claimed to be the original chief clan. They were both given the respect of chieftainship. By working together, the Crane clan and the Loon clan gave the people a balanced government, with each serving as a check on the other. Between the two chief clans stood the Fish clan. It was sometimes referred to as the Water Clan. The Fish Clan was made up of the intellectuals of the people. They were sometimes called Stargazers, since they were known for their constant pursuit of meditation and philosophy. 
the Fish Clan members would settle disputes between the two chief clans if a deciding vote needed to be cast. This built-in ability of the clan system to resolve differences of opinion greatly added to its effectiveness as a governing body. The Bear Clan served as the police force of the people. They spent most of their time patrolling the outskirts of the village so as to ward off any unwelcome visitors. Because of the large amount of time they spent close to nature, the Bear Clan became known for their knowledge of plants, whose roots, barks, or leaves could be used as medicines to treat the ailments of the people. The Martin Clan served as the warrior clan for the people. They provided the force to protect the village at all costs from outside invaders. They became known as master strategists in planning the defense of their people. The Deer Clan was known as the Clan of Gentle People. They were the pacifists. It was said that the people of the Deer Clan would not even indulge in using harsh words of any kind. They were the poets of the people. There are those who say that it was the moose and not the deer who was the leader of this clan. Others in the northern regions of this hemisphere claim that it was the caribou who was the head clan. Eventually, all the clans diffused out into different divisions, but always one animal represented the head or king of the clan. The turtle, for instance, was the head of the fish clan. The bird clan was the final clan and represented the spiritual leaders of the people. Its members were noted for their intuition and sense of knowledge of what the future would bring. They were said to have characteristics of the eagle, the head of their clan, in that they pursued the higher elevations of the mind, just as the eagle pursued the higher elevations of the sky. So the Creator gave the people the seven original clans to provide leadership in all areas. One of the natural laws that the Creator gave the people, along with the clan system, was that there was to be no intermarriage of people in the same clan. In this way, the blood of the Earth's second people would be kept pure and strong. It is said that the people of the Deer Clan once violated this natural law and began marrying within their clan. The Deer Clan people were sent warnings. Their children started to be born with defects and abnormalities. They made no correction in their ways. Finally, the Creator was so disturbed by this departure from the way of harmony that he destroyed the Deer Clan in its entirety. For this reason, there are no members of the Deer Clan among the Ojibwe people today. The clan system became an important part of the Medeowin Lodge. Each of the clans was given a function and place in the Medeowin. All the clans were held together by the force of the water drum. It was the responsibility of the Bear Clan to guard the doorway of the Medeowin Lodge. Inside the lodge, the clans would take their position in the order that was given to them by the Creator. After the clan system was given to the people, the seven grandfathers sent seven spiritual beings to earth to clarify how the clan system was to be used and to amplify the meaning of many gifts often taken for granted in life. The beings came to the people out of the water. They brought many teachings meant to sharpen the senses of the people. It is said that the first five beings brought messages pertaining to the five senses of man, touch, smell, taste, hearing, and sight. The sixth being brought teachings about Amunisuin, or intuition, a special sense that goes beyond the ordinary senses. It was a special sense that few people recognize in their lives. When the people looked to the seventh being to see what gift it was that he brought them, they saw that his eyes were covered by a blind. The people asked the seventh being, Why do you hide your eyes from us? What have you brought us? The being answered, What I have to give you may not be ready for. The people insisted that the seventh being uncover his eyes. When he lifted the blind from his face, there were shrieks and screams from the people. All those who saw his eyes fell over dead. The seventh being turned and walked back into the water, but he shouted to the people that he would return when the proper time came, if it ever came. 
Many people have speculated as to what gift it was that the seventh being brought. Most agree that it was the ability to see into the future. Nigoni wa bungi gewen. The people may yet see the seventh being return with this gift for everybody if the time is made right. While the clan system was in power, the Ojibwe suffered no famine, sickness, or epidemics. There was said to be no wars and very little violence in these days when the clan system was strong. In the clan system was built equal justice, voice, law, and order. It reinforced by its very nature the teachings and principles of a sacred way of life. It is interesting to think of where our society might be today if the people had held the clan system together in its original form and power. And if you want to, uh, if our listeners want to support the uh, mission, I guess, of Sam and myself, uh, feel free to go to our webpage. It's anchor.fm backslash M-N-O dash N-I-K-A-N. You can find us on uh, on Spotify or whatever to help support us. Just go to our webpage, click support, and a couple options will pop up, you know. It's amazing how far 99 cents will go to two guys like us, right? So, um, hopefully right now we're actually trying to get money, do some traveling, because I really want to go up north and, um, you know, really get some good stuff going. So, uh, thank you in advance, miigwech. All right, back to the show. So this story is about a... uh, his name is Ikma, which means plenty of hair. He's a, a very hairy human, I'll put it that way. So long, long ago, before we were even thoughts of a thought, there was a man living with his wife. It was summer, and she was pregnant. One day, while she was out picking some berries, a big bear saw and kidnapped her and put her to his cave. And before the next spring, the woman gave birth to a child which was, you know, she was pregnant, so it wasn't the bear's child, it was her husband's child. But he had plenty of hair on his body, and therefore his name became Ikma, which means plenty of hair. And in the spring, the bear came out of his cave, and the boy looked outside and he saw it, and he said, Mom, we have to run away, we have to go back to where you came from. But the bear had stopped up the entrance with these big boulders, and Mom said, Oh, we can't, son, the rocks are too heavy, I've tried. But the boy tried, and he was able to lift it, right? He's got to be a really strong boy because he's probably like one. So the boy tried, and he's able to lift it, and they fled before the bear returned. They were already near camp when they heard the bear coming in pursuit. His mom was, the mom was tired, but the boy grabbed her and put her on his back, and he ran to the camp. At first, the woman went to a stranger's lodge, and someone told her husband that his wife was back, and the chief took both her and his son home. And this boy, he liked to play with other boys. One time he quarreled with them and he killed them with a single blow. He was a super strong boy, right? Because, I mean, he moved all those boulders. And Nicomas said, Father, I don't want to kill any more boys. I'll go traveling. So he started 
He started out and he met two friends. One of them was called Wood Twister and the other was Timber Holler. And they got to a good lodge and decided to stay there together. And on the first day, Igma and Wood Twister went hunting and they told Timber Holler to stay home and cook. While they were away, an ogre that lived in the lodge came out and threw Timber Holler on his back and killed him. The other two men found him dead, but Igma was able to restore him to life. The next day, Igma said, Wood Twister, you stay home. I'll go hunting with Timber Holler. And at sunset, Wood Twister began cutting firewood. And he saw, he saw something come out of the lodge that looked like a man, but wearing a beard down to its waist and its nails as long as bear claws. It assaulted Wood Twister, who was found dying by his friend, but it was restored once again by Igma. The next day, Igma said, You two go hunting. I'll stay home. And as he began to chop, chop wood, the monster appeared and challenged him to a fight. Igma seized its head, cut it off, and left the body in the lodge. And when uh, his friends returned, they said, Why did you why did you not kill him like this? And he said, I don't like this house. Let's go traveling. They started out and got to a large camp. And the chief there said, Hey, my three daughters have been stolen by a subterranean being. Whoever brings them back may marry them. Igma told Timber Holler to get wood and ordered Wood Twister to get a rope. And they made a hole in the ground and put a box to lower himself in it. He went to the underground country and pulled the rope to inform his friends of the arrival. And there he found the first, he found the uh, three girls. The first one was guarded by a mountain lion, the second one by a big eagle, and the third by a giant cannibals. Of course, Ikmo, he was able to kill the lion. And the girl said, you better turn back, the eagle will kill you. The underground eagles, they got to be the worst, right? But Ikmo was able to slew the eagle. Then the girl said, oh no, but the cannibals are bad men, you better go home. Igma said, I'll wait for them. And sure enough, a dozen cannibals approached yelling. And they were as big as trees. The girl said, run as fast as you can, run as fast as you can. But Igma re remained steadfast, and he, and he had two slings. Oh, sounds kind of like David and uh, Goliath right here, doesn't it? But Igma remained, and he had two slings. With the first, he hurled a stone that went clean through six of the men and killed them. With the other sling, he killed the remaining cannibals in the same way. Of course, you know, Igma, he can kill six giants with one, with one sling. Wow. So, uh, one of the girls gave him a handkerchief, another one a tie, and the youngest one a ring. He took them to his box and pulled the rope. His two comrades hosted up the oldest one, but both wanted to marry her. Igma pulled the rope again, and they hauled the second girl. Then Igma sat down in the box with the youngest, and they pulled up the girl. And as they're getting them up, which Wizard said, hey, let's cut the rope. But Woodhaller said, no. But Wood Twister cut the rope anyways, and Nickma fell down. He stayed there a long, long time while the companions, while his friends took the girls to the chief. And finally, at last, Nickma begged a large bird to carry him above ground, but the bird said he did not have enough to eat for such a trip. So Nickma killed five underground moose and put all the meat on the bird's back. Flying up, Nickma fed the bird with moose meat, and when supplies exhausted, he cut off his own flesh and gave it to the bird to eat. Igma came up on the day when his false friends were going to marry the girls. All the people gathered there, and Igma said, I should like to go in the lodge before they get married. When he came in, Wood Twister was frightened, and he said, I should like to go out. I'll be back in a short time. But he never returned. And the chief said, Which one of you rescued the girls? Nickma showed her the handkerchief, the tie, and the ring given to him by the girls. And he got to marry all three women. Lucky guy, right? We'll leave that one up to you. Um, Everyone, thanks for tuning in, Migwetch. If you have any questions, like I said, uh, as previously, we will answer any questions. Feel free to throw our Golden Goose Sam a bone and just send us an email. 
shoot something to Sam on Messenger on Facebook or something, anything that you want us to cover in future episodes. Uh, big shout out to our uh, loyal supporters that have been clicking on the money link. Love you guys. We will get your Waylon and Jenning in there soon, I promise. All right. Well, until then, we'll see you next time.